if you had to make a list of the ideal type of partner, what type of qualities would be on that list? And by qualities, to be clear, I'm not talking about a chiseled jaw or certain assets in certain places. Not physical qualities, but character qualities. Their values, perspectives, and how they treat people and you. Well, I could make a few guesses, but your list would probably be determined based off of the way you, personally, receive love. What do I mean by this? Well, I'm referring to the concept created by Gary Chapman called the five love languages. These are five ways humans can show love. And the idea is that each person has a general preference for how they would like to receive love. For example, is the way to your heart a considerate gift? Then you have the love language of gifts. Does it melt your heart when your partner cleans the dishes? Then your language is acts of service. Does a sweet compliment brighten up your day? Then you might be a words of affirmation person. Is cuddling your favorite? Then you are physical touch. Do you like nothing more than just sitting and spending time with your loved one? Then you are a quality time person. The idea is that not only do we look for romantic partners who meet our love language, but even our friend groups, how we get along with our coworkers and employers, all depends on our love language and if it's being met. And the reason why it's called a language because it quite literally is. There are plenty of couples out there who are going through it because he is communicating with physical touch and her love language is quality time. And as a result, things are lost in translation and the love isn't being communicated effectively. Last episode, we discovered that there is a false type of love that can look like the real thing, forced love. And we asked ourselves, what is true love and what does it look like? And we'll explore this in the next several episodes. But as far as what it looks like, well, as I just mentioned, it can look a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. But here's the fascinating thing. According to the Bible, God has demonstrated his love in many ways, dating all the way back from the beginning of time when he made you and me, the human race, that is. Long before life existed here on Earth, God, the God of love, created the universe. Contrary to popular books which teach that the universe arose out of nothing, it was a lovely and powerful creator who spun all these galaxies across the cosmos. And he did it all out of love. That is his very essence, his character. But this God of love also created our Earth. And he did so out of the same love which created the cosmos itself. Popular science teaches that some glob of lava cooled, and upon that cooling blob of lava, some chemical evolved into life, including human life. In other words, instead of humans being made in the image of a god of love, they were made in the image of apes. Love had nothing to do with it. But in contrast, the Bible tells a different story, a story of a creation formed, not by chance, but once again, by love, God's love. 
The biblical account goes somewhat like this. Day one, he created light and divided it from darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. It was good. Day two, he created atmosphere from the waters already there and he made the water cycle. It was good. Day three, he caused the land to gather from under the water to produce masses and filled it with vegetation. It was good. Then God decided to fill the space that he had created. Day four, he created our sun, the stars, and our moon. He formed the bodies in space and set them in motion. It was good. Day five, he created the sea life and the birds of the air. It was good. Day six, he created land animals, from the creepy crawlies to the great beasts. They were all created. It was good. Oh, and also on that same day, day six, he created humanity. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1:27. He wanted to create something that would reflect him, that would reflect the selfless love which existed within him. So at the end of day six, God created humans. He came down and informed man and woman with his own hands. Genesis 2, 7 and 22. He created male and female. He set them together and conducted the first marriage ceremony ever. According to the Bible, when they saw each other for the first time, they knew only perfection, holiness, and love. They knew only the good. There was no desire to selfishly take advantage of each other. And though naked, they were unashamed. God created them as partners to live together in a monogamous relationship. And when they consummated their love and the wonderful gift of sex, they would produce children. Thus, God gifted Adam and Eve with the ability to also create more life and more love. This model of marriage was an image of the glory of God. Okay, now that we overviewed the beginning, I want to think about what we just learned about this God. To be more specific, what love language is he demonstrating? Is it physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, or is it all five? Okay, so in the beginning, God spoke everything into existence. The land, the sky, the Milky Way, the animals, the vegetation, everything he spoke into existence except for human beings. Instead, he got down and dirty and used his hands, his touch, to form us in an intimate way, showing us love through physical touch. Then, God gave Adam and Eve, the first humans, the gift of companionship. When he could have created them both and put them in separate places on the planet and just created more humans from scratch, he gave them each other 
and allow them to experience the gift of creating life. So, obviously, he was showing love through gifts. And, of course, as previously mentioned, he single-handedly created and provided land and a home for us humans. Not only land, a whole ecosystem. Talk about acts of service. And then, after he created us and everything he gave us, he told us that we were good. That we were created in the image of God. I mean, you tell me, is there any greater compliment than being told you're created in the image, in the likeness of the guy who made the Milky Way? I mean, come on, what a compliment. Lastly, when he was done with his gifts, affirmation, physical touch, and acts of service, God rested on the seventh day. Yep, that's right. On the seventh day, when God was finished with his creating, he rested. He didn't need to rest to regain his lost strength, as humans do. He rested for a different purpose. He rested for love. He made a special day on the seventh day of every week called the Sabbath. We find this in Genesis 2, 1-3. It was to be a holy day where God would uniquely come and visit together in person with Adam and Eve. Once again, not because he was tired and needed the time off. No, it was because he wanted to spend time with Adam, with Eve, with you, with me. Love can look a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. But what's clear based off of what we know about this God that Christians believe in is that he really wants to make his love known. But that being said, why does it seem like the picture of God that we often have is not one of love, but in fact a scary sky monster who wants to punish you? How did this picture get distorted? That's a good question. In the next episode, a god of love encounters a lie about love that changed everything for everyone. Mm-hmm.